May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. There is so much going on in our gospel reading this morning. We have people coming from the east, we have priests telling where the baby is going to be born but not rushing off to see him. We have Herod asking the wise people to come back and tell him so that he may honor Jesus. We have angels, we guess, appearing to them and telling them not to go back. I mean, there is just so much going on in this story. And as if there is not enough in the gospel itself, we have added to the gospel. Because nowhere does it say there were three wise men. But if you think about it, that's what we all think. There were three wise men, because there were three gifts. We knew that there had to be three wise men. Not only have we made them three, we've even named them Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. And we've even sainted them. So, I mean, it's not enough that there's all this going on in the gospel. We had to add our own little bit for it to make sense to us. But maybe it would be good to just go back to the reading as it is. That what was the lesson in the gospel? Maybe there is something about not knowing where exactly in the East these three wise men, were they three? These wise men came. Maybe there is something powerful in not giving them names, in recognizing that people who were going about their daily lives suddenly saw a star that told them that something amazing had happened in Israel. And they left their homes, we don't know where, to go and see this amazing happening. Because part of the wonder of this gospel is that, in fact, this is where we enter the gospel. Those of us who are not children of Israel, these are the outsiders who opened the door for us, the larger world, to recognize our God born to us. So with all of that going on, with all this amazing, wonderful joy that the wise men had at finding Jesus, wouldn't you know, that as I was thinking about this sermon, the thing that kept sticking with me was the gifts. And not just all of the gifts, one gift. Myrrh. Who gives myrrh to a baby? <laughs> I mean, it's like taking a coffin to a toddler's birthday party. Who does that? Who? Who at this time when they are saying we are here to celebrate, to worship, bring something that speaks completely of death, of suffering. Who does that? 
And I have for the longest time kind of identified with the wise man who brought the myrrh. And as I was thinking about it, I, I reflected that I think part of that, that identification is that if you have seen pictures of the wise men, of the three wise men, and have seen that Balthazar is the one who is normally said to have brought the myrrh, and in the pictures, Balthazar is the one black wise man, right? And the first time I actually recognized that was I, when we lived in England and my sister and I attended a high school where there were 800 girls, an all-girls school, 800 girls. And my sister and I were the only two black students. And every year, we would do a Christmas pageant that included the, the visit of the three wise men. And every year that we were there, the wise man with the myrrh, who was a wise woman, because it was an all-girls school, had her face blackened. And I would think, oh my gosh. Not only are you staking out because you're black, but you brought the worst possible gift anybody could bring. And I had, I had a, a little bit of sympathy for poor Balthazar. But then, as I thought about it, I thought, actually, those three gifts are a powerful statement altogether. And maybe of the three the myrrh is actually the most powerful. We have gold that tells that the wise men recognize a king has been born. Royalty is here. We have frankincense, which states that they recognize the divinity of this child they have come to see, that they recognize that this is a child of God, from God, God. And then myrrh, that they recognize that this king, this God, is going to suffer. That this king, this God, has chosen to come and be amongst God's people and did not choose to be born in a palace, did not choose to be born into the priestly ranks, but chose to be born to a humble family. And that this God, this king, is going to live his whole life questioning the powers and principalities of his time. That this God, this king, is going to be one who for his adult life had no home, but rather walked this country and healed and fed and stood with the poor and the oppressed. That 
recognizes that our God is a God who has said yes to suffering. And not just suffering for suffering's sake, but suffering to make a statement about who God is and what God's world is meant to be. That this king and this God did not live in a palace, but rather questioned the very power of those who ruled. That this God, this king, surrounded himself with the poor, with the marginalized. That this God, this king, accepted death. The death of a criminal to make clear his stand against empire. That our God is a God, a king who receives gold and frankincense at his birth, who receives awe and worship, and yet also receives the myrrh that foretells his suffering. That our God is a God who stands with the poor and the oppressed. So maybe, just maybe, Balthazar's gift is the most powerful of them all. If you remember, I said last week's gospel took us to the very beginning. Let us know that Christ, the word, was there at creation, was the word that brought creation. And today's gospel, the myrrh, tells us what happens right at the end. That the story of our Lord is a story of one who had the courage to stand against those who ruled who had the courage to stand against the system that oppressed the poor, whether that was a governmental system or the temple system. That our God is a God who said, I hold out before you a mirror that shows how far you have strayed from the path I laid out for you. And also, I lay before you the path of your salvation. And so maybe, just maybe, we are called to be those who carry myrrh with us 
into our daily lives, to remind ourselves in these times when we are fairly comfortable that the God we serve is a God who brought discomfort to the comfortable, is a God who stood with the marginalized, is a God who was, at the end, killed as a criminal. And so, as we, as this parish, say that we are on the path of Kononia, that part of that path of Kononia is about being the ones who not only make others uncomfortable with the questions we ask about powers and principalities, but make ourselves uncomfortable with the questions we ask ourselves. Of who are we? Whose are we? Which king and which god do we follow? We are ones called to follow a star. To follow a star to a king who was honored with gold. To a god who was worshipped with frankincense. And yet, also to a god who was gifted with myrrh for suffering and freely accepted that gift.